Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cereal from the Box. My name's Deanna. And I'm Marie. And this is the show where we greatly apologize for leaving you for so long. (laughs) I do think um, we might have to be moving to a monthly schedule. Yeah, just like, honestly, it's my bad. Like, my life. Don't take the blame. Life is ever evolving for both of us. And this is just, you know, where we're at. That's that's true. I just feel like my life has been crazy and like this is just the only time that I've had basically. Yeah. Where I haven't been like running around doing crazy things. Thank goodness. So yeah. Craziest and also thing done. uh craziest thing yeah. I've done, um, go to that New York's concert, outdoor oh, yeah. concert that got rained out. Right. But that was I was feeling <laughs> pretty crazy. Because, like, I was like, I don't know, like, there's going to be a lot of people, but, like, everyone has to be vaccinated. Like, that was the only rule of that concert. So I felt okay. And, like, it was outdoors. Everyone was spread out. You know, it was, like, on a freaking field. And then, alas, they got, what's his face, de Blasio to come and be like, everybody, please go home. Really? It's <laughs> like, Bill, this wouldn't have happened if you didn't come um that's so sad but yeah that's the craziest thing and also just um i want to apologize if there's any like whooshing noises it's just like i don't have an air conditioner so i have a fan next to me yeah that's also very valid how about you crazy things uh nothing (laughs) i feel like i just uh do work which i think is pretty pretty mundane nothing too wild and um Maybe. But are you, like, satisfied, at least, with, like, your life right now? Oh, I'm, like, yeah, I'm content. I would say, like, well, this has been a conversation point in my therapy recently. And by recently, I mean on last Thursday when I saw my (laughs) therapist. Um, We keep coming to this question of, like, uh, like, what, what next? Is, can we go further? Is there a next step? What does that look like? And I'm just like in therapy or in life. I get both, like in in the regards to healing, I guess, right, like in a right, healing journey right. kind of sense. Like <laughs> I made an Instagram post about it on um, our podcast account um, because my therapist said this to me, and I was like, "This is good. I'm gonna <laughs> steal this from her." I make it into an Instagram post. So she was like, "Did you come this far to only come this far?" And I think we're still working on that question. Because, like, on one hand, it's, like, maybe, like, a year ago, I would have been, like, really feeling that question in the sense of, like, feeling very stuck and feeling like there's more to go, but not knowing exactly, like, what that looks like or how to go there or whatnot. Like, something's missing. Something's not quite quite where I wanted it to be. I guess, like, to be more specific, like, with recovery, like... When I first started recovery, obviously, like, tumultuous emotional time for me. Um, But we'd always, like, have those exercises to do in, like, treatment where it's, like, when you're recovered, like, what will your life be like? You know, how would that feel, et cetera, et cetera. And so, like, this idea of, like, food freedom, I think, was, like, for me, synonymous with this, like, life freedom 
And I felt like life was going to be either just, like, really, like, peaceful, kind of, but also, like, really, I don't know, maybe, like, exciting in a way. Like, I had, all like, those kinds of emotions tied to it. And then, you know, I, you know, was eventually able to get to more solid ground in my recovery. And I was like, but I just feel normal. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm in this special recovered place that I thought it was gonna be and I think for some people like it is like that and that's like so great and exciting but I think that's what left me with this feeling of like well maybe there's more to go maybe there's something that hasn't been done yet you know what I mean yeah like okay that I'm gonna sound like a nerd right now but that makes me think so there's this show called Flora the Red Menace and Mm -hmm. in the show she sings a song called uh, A Quiet Thing And let me just preface, so, like, the whole, she's, like, in the Great Depression, blah, 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 and she gets a job as a fashion illustrator that pays $30 a week. Okay. And that's, like, a lot of money in the Great Depression. And she goes, like, the lyrics, like, I don't hear the drums, I don't hear the band, like, everything that moments like this bring, it's a quiet thing. And it's, like, you think that when you reach your goal or when everything comes true that it's going to be this big celebration, but it's just, Oh, like it's a quiet realization that I feel like such a nerd, but like, (laughs) no, I think you're right. And it makes me think of something else, but I need to find it real quick. Cause I don't want to butcher it. So please keep going. Yeah. And like, I, I also kind of agree with you. Like, you know, I thought both in my, darkest days of like being in in like a disordered eating and binging and restricting whatever and then also when I started thinking about what my life was going to be like when I didn't have that problem anymore um I also I thought oh well when my dissatisfaction with my body changes then I will become satisfied with everything in my life because that's going to fix my problems Mm, yeah Mm-hmm. And it's not like th- th- even though it sometimes can feel hard to like acknowledge, but like there are other things that happen in life besides what we eat and how we look. And like sometimes when you, that takes over your whole world, it's hard to see past that that there are other factors in life. <sighs> yeah, especially like when the eating disorder is like masking so much stuff, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, I was like trying so hard because I don't know why I'm so basically I'm thinking of a Florence and the Machine song and like one of her lyrics from that. The Cornflake Girls song. Cornflake Girl. Cornflake Girl. Her song Cornflake Girl. Oh, I don't think I've really listened to that one, to be honest with you. I feel like that's Um, the quintessential song you would have listened to. Really? Yeah. Is it newer off of? I don't know, but, like, it's what about album? her experience with disordered eating. Oh, because there's, um, what is, I, she has a song called Hunger, and that is, like, that hit me up at a good Wait, time. Wait, maybe, maybe this song isn't by Florence the Machine. And it's by someone else. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> they sound the same to me. No, hold up. I'm gonna find. I'm so determined to find it because I really don't want to butcher it. Bjork. 
Did she um, sing the Cornflake song? Maybe. I don't listen to Bjork. Okay. Okay, hold up. Pulling up some lyrics.com just to be... Oh, no, don't give me this. This is the wrong kind of Florence. <laughs> Not Florence and Michelle. Okay, no. We're on the good old azlyrics.com. I love it. I love it for you. No, it's one of the second to last songs on the album, but which one is it? Okay, great. So it is no choir. And here are the lyrics. It's like her opening lines of like the last song in uh, the Highest Hope album. Um, and she says, it's hard to write about being happy because the older I get, I find that happiness is an extremely uneventful subject. That I feel like that really hits for me. Right. Because I feel like, especially when you're coming from a place of feeling so unwell, which is extremely, or tends to be extremely chaotic and like all consuming and like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's like why people romanticize about that. That's why people talk about it and write about it and make art about it. But when it comes to happiness, I feel like the idea of escaping from, you know, the dark tunnel of whatever is making you unwell into the light feels like it should be this grand moment. But I, I resonate with Florence and I feel like it's like, am I content and unhappy right now? But like nothing's going on. Everything's just like seems so mundane. But is that happiness or is like happiness supposed to be more than that? I think there's a difference between happiness and contentment. That is true. I feel like right now in my life, I am content. And contentment should be what people strive for. Mm. I feel because expectations of happiness all the time Mm -hmm. can be disappointing. But I think it's like the all the time thing, right? Because I think, and this is me personally, I'm speaking for myself. I think my idea of like being mentally well is like, well, I should be happy all the time. But, like, no emotion is present 24-7. No, of course. You know, normatively. I I mean, obviously, like, if you're in the midst of a depressive episode, that emotion is pretty pervasive. But normatively, emotions ebb and flow. So it's normal to get sad or upset or angry by things, as well equally normal to feel happy at other moments. So the idea that, like, you should be joyful and exuberant at all times when your life is good it just like isn't realistic but I think I still have that expectation for myself right you know yeah anyways (laughs) this is what we are going to talk about this episode Mm -hmm. but (laughs) you know love good old organic talks um what we will be talking about though is binge eating um Specifically in reference to, I feel like it's easiest to get ideas from what other people are talking about and posting on the the interwebs. There's no Um, original thoughts. No. (laughs) Only recycled ideas. uh, Restated in new ways with new bows. Um, But yeah, so we saw a post, or I saw a post, and I sent it to Gianna, and I was like, we should talk about this, because I think it's interesting we haven't officially dedicated a whole episode to binge eating before that I'm aware of. So I felt like today was the day to do it. 
And I'm excited to be Amazing. here. Let's jump in. All right. Um, so what this post is essentially about, do you think but we should whose share? Whose post is it? Whose post is it? I was it? just about to ask you if we should share. Um, yeah. Her name is Mimi. Her Instagram account is Mercifully Mimi. Like Mercy or Mercy. Haha. Like that. Fully Mimi. Merci. Merci. Anyways, love that. That's very cute. There's like a little possum as their little profile picture. I, I love, love that. It. I love that. Um, but she like made a very, well, all her posts seem like pretty cool. And I'm excited to take a further gander uh, into that. But Did you her, just say a further gander? A further gander. Yeah, ignore me. Sometimes I like to pretend I know the English language. Um, and then it just comes across as me sounding completely You're idiotic. So, so um, sorry. Anyways, um, so I saw one of her most recent posts um, shared by a couple other accounts that we follow. And in this post, she talks about binge eating disorder erasure and invalidation in online recovery communities. Um, and I guess like I can read some of it, kind of summarize some of it. But her basically her main point is she was responding to a photo that she saw reposted on account and the photo says a binge is your body's way of telling you that it needs more food um so that is kind of the crux and the meat of what this post is about i kind of don't like that yeah do you want to start by sharing your thoughts yeah like <clears throat> okay so yeah that's like one way to put it like okay a binge could be mm -hmm. the result of your body needing more food Mm -hmm. it could be the result of a lack of stimulation in your brain mm -hmm. aka uh people with adhd and other dopamine yeah. related mental illness mm -hmm. uh, and also it could just be like something else that's not a binge and you just don't know what to call it yeah. so yeah that's Very my true. thought i think that Sorry, excuse the burp that you could just hear. Um, that wasn't I, a burp. That was just me a raspberry with my tongue. Oh, no, I burped. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there were simultaneous. Simultaneous bodily noises coming from us. Apologies. Um, but uh, Mimi was kind of saying the same thing in her post where she was talking about how you know, she's not going to be nitpicking of, like, the wording and things like that, but the overall sentiment, um, you know, rubbed her the wrong way, and it didn't really make sense to her, because it feels like if you were to kind of just replace binging with another um, disordered eating behavior, eating disorder behavior, it doesn't make sense. So she, like, for example, she gave restriction is your body's way of telling you that it needs less food. Or purging is your body's way of telling you that you had too much food. Like, obviously, we don't endorse either of those statements. And she didn't either. And that's why it doesn't make sense to kind of have that phrasing um, is kind of what she was arguing. And then she talks about how, you know, we tend to kind of, by having posts like that, invalidate binge eating as its own disordered eating behavior. And that kind of like, put it on a lesser level than restriction or purging. Um, 
And she said, you know, said the same thing as Gianna was saying about, like, are we using the right language? Where she says, instead, binge eating is used incorrectly, but frequently as synonymous with healing or extreme hunger, therefore devaluing the actual experience of binge eating as an eating disorder behavior and as separate from the logical drive to eat more after restriction. Um, and she goes on to say that you know, this kind of erases and also invalidates the idea that binge eating can be a distressing behavior for a lot of people. And it is. That's kind of by definition what it is. And, you know, also kind of says that, like, the people that tend to either, like, make these posts or kind of have this stance also tend to be the ones that say, you know, it's perfectly okay to binge. People have using the food to cope for thousands of years. And, you know, once again, she kind of challenges us as the readers to kind of think about if we were to view binging in the same way and just like replace it with restriction or purging or exercising, are we going to say, you know, to someone who struggles with restricting that it's perfectly okay to restrict or that, you know, people use that to cope. So it's fine to do that. We don't usually tell that to people in recovery because we want people to not engage in those behaviors because they're maladaptive. Um, I mean, I mean, what, what could be also, I'm just thinking about it, mm-hmm. like, I feel like saying it's okay, it's like, I think what maybe people mean to say, or the intention of what they're mm-hmm. trying to say is that it doesn't make you bad or it doesn't make their, right. you know, it doesn't make you a bad person. If you do these things, it doesn't make you a failure. If you do these things, right. You, know, you as a person are still okay. If you partake in this behavior, you know, just same with like other harmful behaviors. Like if you do these things, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just yes. m- means you have a, a little bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, obviously language and word choice is always so important to think about. And sometimes we could convey intent, our intentions in a better way than like what, how we're currently phrasing it. But I totally agree with that, you know, kind of viewpoint, because it's not necessarily that binging is an okay behavior. But like you said, we need to hold compassion for when it happens. In the same way, if someone is to, you know, start relapsing in terms of restriction or purging or another kind of behavior, you know, they're not a bad person or a failure for reverting back to those coping skills, but they should still be striving towards recovery. So it's kind of like it's hard when we oversimplify things. And I think she gave like a uh an example of what someone said and i think it kind of adds more context to in which you know the language might not be the best she was referencing a comment so someone said how do you separate a binge that occurs because you need more food versus one driven by emotional reactions both of which i feel like i've experienced and she uh someone i don't know who um responded both are okay if you're eating response to some emotional trigger, that is perfectly okay. It is a coping mechanism. I would suggest you get a few other coping mechanisms under your belt, but people have been using food to cope for thousands of years. And so I think like you were saying, the intention of that is to remove the judgment 
from doing that. Because I think sometimes too, right, it's a lot easier if we're kind of bringing the discussion from binge eating to like extreme hunger, right? If you're dealing with extreme hunger as a result of, you know, a long period of restriction and restrictive behaviors, a lot of people use the idea of, well, you know, your body just needs more food, it needs to be healing right now, this extreme hunger is normal, as a way to kind of um, combat some of the feelings of guilt that might be popping up, you know, because of eating more food than what you would typically be used to, right? Um, So I think sometimes we view eating for hunger or because we are hungry as a better reason to be eating than to be eating for emotional reasons. So I think that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I mean, I think that's definitely true. And I don't think it's uh, a, a natural thought to people. I think it's one that's developed because of diet culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, th- I think that that person did not even answer the person's question. So <laughs> no. And I think no. it's very clear. I think the answer to this person's question is also very extremely clear. Mm. You know, if you are someone who has been restricting for a long time, or is it, in a process of refeeding yourself, that's clearly why. Right. You know? I mean, it, then, it does require like some level of just awareness. No, of, of course, but just being objectively like, speaking. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I was just meaning that like you yourself need to be aware of the antecedents to the behaviors, and obviously it's pretty evident if you didn't eat enough or you've had a long-term history of restricting then, you know, this is coming from a place, more than likely, of your body being underfueled and it needs more food. Um, Whereas if something specifically upset you and that causes you then to seek out food, you're probably doing it for emotional-related reasons. Right. But I think, like, sometimes maybe people aren't always, like, privy to that. Because I do think it takes, like, time to takes time one just to sit down and think about what led to this you know what triggered me what is the precursors that led to this situation um but then two I think not everyone is always like trained to like think about what happened before we just only think about how we respond to things you know like we come from a more reactive place sounds like a problem that the future therapists of America can solve true Yeah. I mean, I just like, I think like if I never went to treatment and they didn't have such like a heavy focus on that, like would I even ever stop to think about, you know, why it is that I was engaging in whatever behaviors I was. I don't know. And that's, that's another point on um, Mimi. Is this girl Mimi? Is that her (laughs) name? Yeah. On Mimi's like whole thing is like the erasure of, of things or even the, how would you say it's like white whitewashing but not in terms of race finish your thought and then maybe i'll i can figure out like with the dispersion of all information over social media and a lot of people Mm. using social media as a huge Mm -hmm. part of their recovery not not providing all the information to people that could lead Mm -hmm. them to making more educated 
thoughts or reflections. Right. And I think she was saying in her post too, like she was pointing out how few, how few, like, I don't know if she specifically kind of said recovery accounts or whatnot, but just accounts dedicated to binge eating or to bulimia or things like that. I don't know if that's kind of what you were speaking to a bit. Um, Yeah, no, I'm like more talking about like, you know, all the people saying, oh, it's okay, like binging is okay. Mm. Then for some people, it's not okay, you know, because mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is their whole disorder. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, there's no information about how to act before, like, after a binge. You know, mm. like, what, what should you think about if you're, like, if that's something that you're working on not doing anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, for example when there's accounts like dedicated to recovery from restrictive eating disorders or um, purging eating disorders that are like, oh, like if you didn't eat enough today, like have a snack and like do better, like you could do better tomorrow. Or Mm -hmm. like, like just like, hold on, like you don't have to purge whatever. But for aftercare, there's like not like the aftercare part of like social media where it's like, think about what could have happened why why do you feel this way you know which yeah. like, you should have a therapist but like a, that's not accessible for everyone right exactly so it's like if we're gonna create online spaces in order to provide support to people in order to provide education to people because you know therapy and other things like that may not be accessible we need to be mindful of including all experiences in that <laughs> kind of no, thing exactly. so I definitely I know feel what like you mean. we need we need uh Shika to come back on her podcast right <laughs> yeah um or Lucy or like any of the literally ed- anybody who was educated <laughs> not for sure for sure um I guess so it's like interesting <sighs> hmm yeah I feel like this gives me lots of thoughts because on one hand it's like I think part of why this is the problem, right, is I'm thinking about myself specifically, right? Like, I dealt with restriction and binging as, like, a cycle thing initially, then had a restrictive eating disorder, and then dealt with binging. You know what I mean? So, like, my journey wasn't just, like, I have binge eating disorder, and this is that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think it's, like, like hard because, evolving. Right. Yeah. For me, it was like an evolving thing. And so I think it like neither of us can speak from just have only dealt like having dealt with binge eating. So I think that makes it like a little difficult to have like a full conversation about it. So like if any of you all struggle with just binge eating and you want to be on a podcast, please DM us. So we would love to have like an actual, you know, an honest conversation about those kind of things and how that might look different for people. Right. Because my perspective is limited to my experience being in a binge eating support group. So I know those people's experiences and that's kind of it. And I think a lot of times, you know, if we have one, we tend to validate restrictive eating disorders more than any other eating disorder. So those tend to be the ones that get the most traction and take up the most space on social media and and things like that in like a virtual space um and treatment centers too but just like in terms when it comes to like education and things like that 
and providing support, if you go on the, like the binge eating disorder recovery tab, the only support there is, or like 50% of it is just like, here's how I lost weight, <laughs> which is just like so dumb to me. Like it doesn't make like a lot any people, sense. I feel like a lot of people don't know that there even is such thing as binge eating disorder. Really? No. I feel like outside of like the eating disorder community, it's mm. not commonly known. I think people just think they they can't they have no self control. Right. They don't like view it as like an actual disorder. No, they think it's mm. something wrong with them. Like mm-hmm. when in reality there's like a lot of like that we know and I assume mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners know. You know, I think that's also part of why maybe it's like there's not a lot of resources because even I think probably some doctors probably think just don't have, you know. Well, I mean, I think there's like the weight bias to everything too. No, like exactly. I think like the face exactly. of being like an eating disorder is like the first thing you think of is anorexia. The second thing you think of is bulimia. And then after that, if someone who's in a larger body tells you that they have an eating disorder, the first thing most people think of because of the weight bias is that they must have binge eating disorder. Like that's the only time it ever comes up you know, in, like, conversation. Um, I guess I want to talk more about, I guess, maybe we should take a second to share both of our experiences and kind of find the right language to it, because I'm, like, you brought up earlier, like, maybe rings up in our post, like, binge eating can get really conflated with a lot of different other kinds of like eating behaviors and and things like that. So I think it might be helpful to kind of parse that out for ourselves in terms of what our experiences were. And then also talk about, you know, what helped us to heal from binging um, in order to hopefully, if anyone listening kind of struggles with that, provide some kind of like nuance, one, to the conversation that Beanie brought up And then, two, just in general to kind of, you know, share as many pointers as we can. You know, hopefully it helps. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. So, basically, I'm, like, I'm not really sure when it started or whatever. But I feel like I started, um, like, kind of having, like, binging episodes um, when I was, like, in my, like, early teens, like, uh, because, you know, I felt, like, because I wanted to be a dancer, and, like, I was very careful about what I ate in front of other people, and my mom, you know, I, I, she had an eating disorder in her childhood, and I think at this point in my life, she hadn't let it go completely, um, and so, I felt very judged by her, whether she intended to, you know, be judgmental or not. I'm sure she didn't. But I didn't feel comfortable eating a lot in front of my my mom. Um, so I would eat a lot late at night when everyone was sleeping. Um, and like, I would definitely categorize those as binges because I wasn't ever satisfied by my, like my hunger wasn't satisfied mm-hmm. by this. and And I felt like I couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I would only stop because I didn't want it to look like 
the whole box was gone or something, you know? Right, right. Um, and, and this continued until, like, I went to college, and, and it was, like, harder to hide in college because you are sharing a room with somebody, so it would be, like, eating as much as I could when my roommate was out, or, you know, like, um, I can remember, like, going to the store late at night and, like, buying a bunch of things and, like, trying to finish them all and throw them away in the trash and, like, cover things up before anyone could see. Mm, the secrecy of it all. Um, it was all yeah. such a secret because on the mm-hmm. outside I wanted to, I wanted to seem like I'm, you know, dainty, whatever. Right, um, yeah. And that clear was in the case. And then when I dropped out of school and like I went to Pennsylvania and stuff, I sometimes wouldn't even eat meals. Mm-hmm. I would just eat like a ridiculous amount of popcorn or mm-hmm. like, but like uncontrollably. Like I knew like I this is not what I should be doing because like there was no nutrition and and what I was eating there was like, and I was really just I felt compelled to eat these things it wasn't like I could think about what I really wanted mm-hmm. right um and then yeah so like that was kind of my experience up until the beginning of my my senior year of college I guess it was like in between my jun- like the last semester of my junior year and um you know I I started dating Noam and I've talked about it before but like being with him as somebody who is really good at eating meals and not mm-hmm. you know eating food because he wants to eat it not because he feels like he has to eat certain foods because of society or whatever he eats as much as he wants um and he actually doesn't really snack a lot because he eats very full meals and because I um, am a people pleaser and I just want people to like <laughs> me and I want to do what other people are doing because I'm insecure. I'm luckily mm-hmm. not so insecure anymore, but I would just eat what he was eating and the mm-hmm. same. And then as time went on, I had the urges to binge less and less because mm-hmm. I didn't feel judged by who I was eating with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't feel... Like, I couldn't eat meals, like, full meals, like, you know, and I also, like, I didn't feel hungry, so I didn't feel the need to snack all the time, so things didn't spiral Mm -hmm. into uncontrollable hiding, and, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, but (laughs) and at this point, I feel that... I may, I don't even know if, I don't think I've really binged mm-hmm. in at least a year and a half. Good on you. That's good. Maybe, I'm thinking about last week. <laughs> I was, I think I was hungry. Yeah. Because when I have soup for dinner, mm-hmm. sometimes I get hungry because it's a lot of liquid. Yeah. And so I did, I couldn't sleep, and I think it's because I was hungry, because it used to happen to me, too. And that's kind of uh, something else that yes, used to yes, lead yes. to my binges, is because I wouldn't eat enough in the day. Mm-hmm. I'm a very active person. And so 
I wouldn't be able to sleep because I was hungry, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't have my hunger cues. So I didn't know that's why. why you couldn't fall so sometimes yeah. I think I'm hungry. I ate a lot of popcorn, mm-hmm. still one of my favorite foods. Um, <laughs> and so I, but I think I was okay. I think I was just hungry. Okay. That's fair enough. I feel like sometimes I have to do the same. It's just like, I think it's always good to like check yourself and be like, or this is what I do anyways, when I'm trying to figure out like, is this something that I would classify as a binge or not? I start first by being like, is the amount really that abnormal? Or is there like a reasonable explanation for, you know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes like my brain is like, oh no, that's just like a lot because like it's a lot of calories or whatever. Even if I'm not like calculating a specific amount or whatever. The years of hypersensitivity to it does not leave me that completely. I understand. And like same thing of just like diet culture judgments of like, well, you had like a quote unquote bad food instead of a good food. So I think like sometimes I perceive myself to be eating more than like I actually am. You know what I mean? Because like I just have these like more rigid definitions of like this is a meal like like for instance a soup is a meal so therefore it's that's all I should have but it's like no if you're hungry you can have more yeah than that that's totally fine so also like something about that that like Mm -hmm. so I this girl was definitely selling something but like she was like on like Instagram or TikTok Uh like I used to be afraid of like family size chips bags because I felt like oh, I would eat the whole thing. Yes, Do you yes, know yes. what I'm it talking about? It was on about? Instagram, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I feel the same because it makes it hard to gauge how much I've had. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm like unsure well, about it. Because it was in a Costco, Costco sized right. bag. It's confusing too because it's like we're really taught to rely on like portion sizes as being yeah. like the quote unquote correct amount for things. And so I think that can be another like mental trap of like, well, the portion size is only this much. So I should have only had that much of it. It's like, no. Okay. But like, let me (laughs) tell you a story. One time when I was in ballet, this girl's mom would pack her little snacks Mm -hmm. and she would rely on the portion size. Do you know how many Ritz crackers this girl got? Six, six crackers. That's so sad. I was like, girlfriend, like that's not enough food. Yeah. I hate that. (laughs) <laughs> especially because like they're just so good I feel like you you can't only have six that wouldn't satisfy my brain um but okay so reality check myself a little bit with the portion size do I just think it's too big of a portion size or is it and also I mean like okay in the DSM their criteria for the quote-unquote amount for a binge is so incredibly big so it's not like there's a real quantifiable amount of like this amount puts right, you over the right. threshold of being a binge. It's just like the amount of food that you have in a short quantity of time is quote unquote more than the average person. Not helpful, but I think sometimes it helps to like reality check a little bit and be like, what's feeding into my perception that this was quote unquote too much? And is there a reason that I ate this much? That's number one. Number two, did I feel out of control when I was eating it? And I think right now, something that, like, I've alternated with is, like, having an out-of-control binge versus feeling, like, a little compulsive around food. 
are it's it's a fine line of difference between the two, but it is different. Yeah, no, I understand 100%. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Um, and then three, what are like the feelings that I have associated with this? Like, is there shame coming up? Do I feel like I need to hide this? Like, am I feeling guilty? Am I feeling angry with myself? Upset? Am I feeling anxious? Whatever it is, right? Um, and I think like usually by thinking through those first couple of things, I can kind of approach myself in a more like compassionate way. Like it kind of either lessens the amount of shame that I feel, or I'm at least able to kind of talk with my rational mind to my emotional mind, if you will. I don't think about it that literally, but I guess in retrospect, that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so I think, why don't we even start talking about how I'm defining a binge? <laughs> oh, because you were talking you, about but the popcorn. Yeah. You know what? I like, the thing is, though, it was really dark because I mm-hmm. didn't turn the lights on. Because one of my roommates. No one's time for that. No, well, like one of my roommates sleeps with the door open. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't want to wake them up. Mm-hmm. Um, not like I wasn't waking them up, like, crunching around the kitchen in the morning. <laughs> but, um, so I couldn't really see how much. <laughs> right. But also, like, I didn't feel bad about it the next day. You know, like, I didn't right. linger. Like, right. I, I'm conscious that, that wh- whatever happened, happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel, like, bad about it yeah (laughs) which is you know great number one but number two I think like sometimes that like really signifies where there was um like if you struggle with binging like odds are you you know feel guilty a lot of you know emotions or yeah I used to feel guilt shame Mm -hmm. and like fear every single time Mm -hmm. yeah and so like have that have similar experiences but not have it be associated with that emotion anymore I feel like can be like a good way of being like no that's a good thing that's a sign of progress you know like you're not getting so hung up about about that that it's impacting you emotionally on this way that stays with you for a long time like that's definitely good um hmm yeah did you have more to add to like your experience it sounds like basically um okay (laughs) it sounds like you like under fueling and you know like worrying about other people's judgment and things like that was really what kind of led to the the binging yeah and then once you were able to kind of fuel yourself consistently and kind of work on that the like judgment piece so like the diet culture piece if you will um that like the binging just kind of went away on its own yeah kind of I mean like it's also um like first of all like I was extremely discontent with just myself as a person Mm -hmm. when I was experiencing the worst binging Mm -hmm. and then um after that like when things started to get better I also changed like career paths so like it just I wasn't putting the pressure on myself anymore Mm, yeah and like this is like maybe a um 
contentious or how do you say it like controversial controversial thank you yeah point but I feel like when I stopped caring about that and like I stopped binging and stuff and then like my concerns about my body went away Mm. like like I feel like my hormones evened out like I feel like my body feels like I'm in the right body now Mm -hmm. you know before I felt like a stranger in my body right so it's like letting go of like the the pressure and the expectations for yourself allowed you to like start feeling more authentic and more yeah and even like my body did change a lot in the Mm -hmm. last three years and just I think nine has just helped everything kind of come together Mm -hmm. you cut out for a little bit for me I don't know if you want to just repeat what you said yeah sure so like I feel like not having like not expecting my body to look a way that it doesn't right yeah and kind of and being free with food not stressing about it not having the binges and like my body feels like my body now it doesn't feel like I'm living in a different body Mm -hmm. wow I love that for you that's awesome thanks mom (laughs) do you feel that um because one of the main contributors to your binging was not eating enough throughout the day, that binging is the best word for it, or is there a different word that you could use? I think in some parts of my life, it there could be a different word I would use. But for parts of my life, definitely binging is the right word to use. Yeah, I feel like I was trying to think about it the other day, like how to further define like a difference between like um, like extreme hunger and eating a response to that versus a binge. And the first thing that I came, came up was, with was like Stephanie Buttermore. I feel like I've talked about her before, but she's she was a or, or is a fitness influencer that I don't know was also has like a PhD and is like really smart and stuff like that. Um, but she, you know, basically her story is that like she felt like she needed to be really lean because of you know the fitness community in order to be like legitimate on there. Um, and you know she started having issues with extreme hunger after she participated in a um, competition. I don't know the right word. I don't want to say it's a bodybuilding competition. I don't know if that's the right thing. But one of the competitions where you have to basically be shredded and do your little poses on stage and then leave. Um, But uh, she started kind of experiencing extreme hunger after that. But then, like, you know, kind of continued to underfuel herself because she just thought, like, the extreme hunger was just, like, you know, her being abnormal. Like, she just had an abnormally large appetite. And it wasn't until, like, she talked to somebody about, like, hypothalamic, uh, hypo, why does that word now now sound right anymore? Hypothalamic amenorrhea. 
basically about losing your menstrual cycle. I don't think she lost her menstrual cycle, but she had other symptoms of that. Um, and basically she just wanted to correct her extreme hunger. So she ended up going all in. Right. And so like, as a result, she ate a large amount throughout the day. But to me, whenever like post about like what she ate in a day or things like that, it never felt like it was out of control for her. It was like, you know, constant throughout the day because, you know, that's what she needed to do in the beginning. And eventually she, you know, moved to like having set meals throughout the day because that worked better for her digestion or whatever. But it never like appeared that she was, that she felt out of control around food more that she was just like responding to that extreme hunger. And I don't know if that's like how other people experience it. If they, you know, just experience extreme hunger when they're recovering from like restrictive behaviors or restrictive background, or if there's like more of a a nuance between the two, but that kind of feels like a more kind of fitting way to kind of define the two or break up the two in my opinion. And like based off of like my experience, you know? No. Yeah. I just like looked her up and I was kind of browsing her while we were speaking and like, I definitely don't think she did any binging. Yeah, because she also used to have, like, cheat days. So before she, like, went out in, she, like, had, quote-unquote, cheat days where she would just let herself eat whatever she wanted. And, like, for me, maybe it was because she always came from this place of, like, unconditional permission. Because, like, when you're binging, there's not, like, a real permission, you know? Like, there's a permission, well, at least for me, like, I'll... No, I think that's kind of the point. The point of of a binge was like, you don't want this, or you're not supposed to, kind of. If that makes sense. I don't know. I feel like if something like it's a little, oh, I'm not supposed to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different than like, I want to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. I can't stop. Why can I not stop? Mm, Like it's more, it's doesn't feel good. And for people that are like, oh, I'm having a little donut today. It's my cheat day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess because where I'm kind of coming from is, like, um, when was this? This is after I, like, graduated college. Like, my, I was, like, trying so hard not to binge, basically, right? But then I would get, like, really uh, what I felt like were, like, kind of uncontrollable urges to binge. And so, like, I would more or less give in to the urge and then, you know, like go to the grocery store, buy a bunch of binge food or whatever, and then eat it. So it was almost like in that moment, I gave myself permission to binge, but like not really. It was like a false kind of sense of permission. It's like, well, you're not supposed to be doing this. So this is, this is what I I completely understand. Right. Okay. So I guess that's kind of what I mean with like the, like, oh, you're not supposed to be doing this kind of thing. But also, like, at the same time, in the process of doing it, like, that is the feeling that you kind of have before leading up to it. And then in the process of it, it's like, I just wish I could stop right now. Why can't I stop? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel It's always like, this is the last time. Every time is the last time. (laughs) I feel like... For me, it was happening so often. I was like, there's, <laughs> it's an unescapable hole. I don't know. Like, I, cause I literally, 
there was one time, maybe like junior year of college, that I was like, let me count how many days I've been like binge free kind of thing. So I was like, I was hoping that it would like motivate me to like not binge or something like that. Um, <laughs> which I think is funny because it reminds you of like a, an AA kind of thing. Like here's your five day chip. Here's your one day binge eating anonymous overeaters anonymous. <laughs> You're one day free. Um, but I couldn't like make it a week. You know what I mean? So it's like, it would just get so frustrating and defeating that I was like, what is the point? It's gonna happen. I don't know. But. Like, the more you think about it, the not better it's gonna be. Kind of. Because, I mean, like, at at the end of the day, like, nothing, nothing else was changing. It was really just me being like, out of my sheer will, willpower, I will stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. There was so many other things that were going on that were contributing to the binges that, like, I obviously needed to address those things before the binges were going to stop. You know what I mean? And it's, like, that's what's so weird about binging when compared to restriction. Because, like, when I went to treatment, boom, stop. You don't do that anymore. You know? Um, But with binging, I mean, I literally did that while I was in treatment. You know what I mean? I mean, not in when I was like in inpatient. Oh yeah, I mean, I what? No, <laughs> when I was in like a like a day program or IOP yeah, because like I had flexibility. Yeah, when I went home. Um, so. I mean, I would be interested to know if anyone who has been who binge eating treatment, like, what what do they do for you? Well, okay, so, so let me tell you some things. Uh, number one, I, when I was, um, in treatment earlier on, um, there was one guy, (laughs) no, there was more than one guy. There was like a handful of guys. And one of those guys, as far as I was aware of, had binge eating disorder. Um, they did absolutely nothing different for him other than put him on a higher meal plan. Uh, this was because you know, he was tall and a guy. And so he, like, he needed to be, like, on the highest meal plan that they had, basically. Um, I think there was, I do remember, like, when we were in IOP together, like, there was conversations about, like, how not eating enough could trigger a binge. But also, I mean, I'm sure there was, like, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure he, like, struggled with depression and, like, some other things, like, I'm sure there was other things going on. Like, I didn't get that much privy detail into his life or whatnot. Um, But I really feel like they didn't do anything different for him other than you're now in an environment. Because, I mean, obviously, he's inpatient first and then whatnot. Um, But put you in an environment where you literally only had access to the food and the meal plan. That's, you know, that's... I guess it's different for different places. Like, I think residential places have, um, like, pantries, and I don't know what the rules and things like that are around that. But it was really just, like, you had the meal plan, so there was no other choice but to, like, cold turkey stop. How does that that prepare you for life on your own? Good question. Beats me. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, The only other, like, experience that I had related to, like, any quote-unquote kind of treatment for 
binge eating was um, the binge eating support group that I did. But that was through my nutrition office, place, person, provider. That's the word. Um, and in that group, that was more specific. We, like, were actually doing, like, a workbook that my nutritionist, the person who owns the company, and maybe, like, one other person had developed. And so that kind of, like, I don't know. It kind of takes, like, a two-pronged approach. Like, obviously, it, like, it looks at, it uses, like, a hunger and fullness scale. It looks at your history of, you know, with food, your relationship with food, your history and relationship with your body. It, you know, talks about positive childhood experiences. Like, that's one of the things we talked about, positive childhood experiences that we've had with food at some point. Um, We talked about restricting food at different points in time to varying degrees talked about different triggers that we had kind of like a same thing like thinking about your you know what led up to this what were your thoughts around it um we talked about what other things did we talk about Mm, we just talked about like i don't know there was one guy in the group that always talked about like he had like I don't know if it was like an instant pot or like a slow cooker or something like that but he was so happy with that thing he would like talk about all the meals that he made with it um but I mean it sounds like food was still a source of joy for him yeah I it the with him the the thing that like made it difficult or the time well I guess there was a couple things so, like, one, I know for sure, like, binging for him, like, ooh, like, when he was doing well, like, everything was great. And when he wasn't doing well, it was, like, he was real stuck in a rut kind of thing. Like, like I, I think he just felt, like, so, like, down about himself. And, like, because, like, he took his progress, like, so seriously kind of thing. Like, he felt, like, so much joy from getting, um, like, making progress related to because for him he was also um diabetic I think like type 2 so like what he was working on related yeah it's like a dangerous yeah to that was like making sure that like you know he was as medically healthy as he could possibly be while simultaneously dealing with you know the emotional side of the binge eating and yeah, like, I feel like if they're like, oh, like, if you eat more than we are telling you to, then uh, you are going to die. And then it's like, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. For That's him, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I think that was interesting for him. I remember being real salty about it at the time, but that was entirely my eating disorder brain. But for him, he got put on like a calorie plan, like he tracked his calories um and I remember being so angry (laughs) about that I was like that's so unfair that was literally a dumb eating disorder thought um but the reason he did it was to like you know make sure that he was eating enough throughout the day I guess for him weight loss was a goal I guess it was tied to the diabetes thing but like I don't know I almost went into a deep dive the other day about (laughs) weight in relation to different diseases and things like that so that's another story for another day um But I guess, like, he would be, when he was on top of it, he was, like, so excited about all that stuff and making, you know, that kind of progress. But then as soon as, like, he ended up, quote-unquote, having, like, a slip-up or anything like that, which was usually because, like, he had um, a really, 
like high demand job and then so he would like quote unquote kind of like forget to eat and then as a result he like underfueled himself and then he would binge but then he would feel bad that he binged and then that would just lead to continuous more binging over like the next couple weeks before like he'd be able to get back on track so I don't know I don't know exactly why I brought him up but I don't know. I think that's interesting. Because I was, like, I was wondering, like, what do they do for people who oh, go to treatment? yeah, yeah, So, I mean, obviously this wasn't, like, this was a support group. And also, I guess, like, a little bit, not necessarily psychoeducational, but nutrition educational, I guess. Um, and it's interesting because I felt like a lot of people, there was maybe one other girl in the group who, I mean, was kind of similar in age to me, like, a little bit older than us at the time I was in college, who I felt like had a similar experience to me in terms of, like, definitely dealt with restrictive behaviors. Like, I think she definitely dealt with dieting and whatnot, and then was also dealing with, you know, the binging. But everyone else, I just thought, you know, officially had, you know, a bed diagnosis, and that's all that they were dealing with. Yet it was, it was like, a little surprising to what degree people would talk about having not eaten enough throughout the day or like mentally or physically, you know what I mean? Not necessarily feeling their body as much as they right. could have been. But right. I mean, there was other things that came up too. Like we talked about like how different emotions like led to binge eating. We talked about routine and like how, like for one person, when she came home from work every single day, she would always, like, binge on something that she, like, quote-unquote, was not allowed to eat or whatever. So, obviously, there's the diet culture piece in there being, like, telling you what's okay and not okay to eat. But then she's also got the routine aspect that she wants to wind down as soon as she gets home. And that's her immediate go-to kind of thing. So, we talked about those things and, like, problem yeah. solved. But I don't know, like, if there was just treatment for binging disorder. Like, what, what exactly that looks like in practice. I know what I think it could look like, but I guess you know. we'll have to do some research and get back to the folks on that one. True. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I almost went to a place. So if I could remember the name, I could look it up and see what they do. But I don't know. I just feel like more often than not, people get sent to places that um are trying to manage your weight. You know, that's like their way of um solving the problem which is so incredibly dumb to me (laughs) like I I, it really irks me that some people are like well two two different things there's one book that's like I don't know if it's like mind over binge is what it's called or something like that but it's basically how like binge is a biological reaction that happens in your primal brain you just need to not do it and then you will stop that is so incredibly dumb to me and I don't get it so okay but then so alternately just like weight loss as like if you just lose weight you won't binge what um, um okay um yeah it looks like what inpatient inpatient treatment for Binge eating disorder looks like mm-hmm. it's ensuring that patients are medically stabilized at a a medically appropriate weight. 
provide Ooh. any detoxification? I guess like the weight that you are, that you're not pre-diabetic. That's my assumption. But that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I'm reading the list. Okay. <laughs> I have a grave. Keep going. Develop a comprehensive binge eating treatment plan with input from a team as well as the patient and family members. That's unhelpful. Work with the patient <laughs> to detect and deal with any psychiatric illness and psychological challenges associated with the binge eating or co-occurring disorders. Well, that's yeah. good. Focus on behaviors and thinking processes that impede progress towards lasting recovery. Proactively mm. prepare each patient with comprehensive aftercare plans that reduce the chance of relapse. So what this looks like is, um, besides the first it's like a, it's CBT and relapse prevention with a splash of uh, client-driven, client-focused, but also weight management for some reason. Like a little bit of medical fat phobia there, if you will. Yeah, I'm like not really sure about that because... Because, I mean, look... Yeah. They, and we've talked about it in on the podcast before, for sure, I think, if not definitely an Instagram post, about, you know, you the same thing happens, just in a different way, for people that, you know, come into care for restrictive eating disorders, they tend to set a quote-unquote goal weight for you, you know, in order to ensure that you're medically stable, but it, like... That's so confusing to me when it comes from a, you know, place of binge eating, because when it's related to restriction, I mean, I just know from my personal experience, the way that they tried to determine it was through a growth chart. And then they tried to determine it just like based on my age and my height. And they were like, here you go. Here's a number. Um, I don't. That doesn't, that's not really helpful, but, like, if you're medically monitored and you're having, you know, various medical issues, like, obviously that might be informative in order to, like, let you know that you're not at your set point weight yet. But it's not, like, something that, like, I, I really struggle with the idea that anyone can tell you what your set weight is supposed to be based off of, like, science. Like, right. to me, you can only find out your set point weight by not engaging in behaviors and letting yourself be, you know what I mean? And like your body will get there eventually. Like, I don't think that we should be like, I mean, especially like if we're mentioning the di- the diabetes thing again, right? Like I'm pretty sure the medical consensus is like, quote unquote, don't be obese, quote unquote, don't be overweight. But people live in larger bodies and are healthy and fine yeah. So that's how are you determining for them like out. what they're supposed what weight they're supposed to be at? That just doesn't make sense. I'm, to me. That's why I'm curious about yeah. I feel like we should do like um an undercover boss kind of thing where we like call right. and like are like, Hey, right. so how do you determine what's like a medically appropriate weight? Like pretend like make one time I had to do that, but they never paid me. I like what? did like an undercover call and like I pretended like I was signing up for a university what that's wild um and like i had to give them a fake name and everything and like wow it, i never got paid unfortunately but um 
Yeah, I forgot to call. It's because it was right when COVID started. Mm. So, like, I think that I just, like, cried so much every day that I forgot to cry about not getting paid. But mm, um, of that's what it's. that's what I would want to know. And you're yeah. definitely right about your body will go back if you just let it be. Yeah. That's what kind of what I was trying to say earlier. It's like your body will yeah, be yeah, wherever yeah. it goes, the best mm-hmm. place for it when you relax. Right. And I just, like, I don't, I'm so confused, too, because, like, if your initial step is to manage weight, I don't understand how you could do that without first kind of just addressing the behaviors as it relates to binge eating. Obviously, there's different nuances for different people um, and different eating disorders, but that's just, like, very confusing to me. And, like, I really just can't get behind the idea of, like, that like recovery from binge eating disorder or any disorder can have an impact on your weight but I don't think the way to resolving any eating disorder is by specifically looking at the weight or having that be like a I don't know I don't want to contradict myself because obviously it's important no I understand what you're saying like are severely underweight to restore their weight in order for them to be medically healthy because it's dangerous to be underweight so, like, that is obviously, like, a clear caveat to me. But, like, I think that being weight restored, I guess, is not, does not dictate recovery. That does not make you recover just by being weight restored. So, like, I don't see why weight should be an overwhelming factor in the recovery process, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I understand. I feel like they might put it on there, like, the first thing, because that's what gets people to come. Yeah, I'm sure it does because <laughs> freaking fat phobia in society and the weight bias that we experience. Like, I think a lot of the reason that, or at least I know for me, like, why binging was such a quote-unquote bad behavior because it was the behavior that quote-unquote made me gain weight. Not quote-unquote, that is true, but whatever. Um, you know what I mean? And I felt like that was, you know, a ba- actual quote-unquote a bad thing when it's not, you know, it just is what it is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Now I'm heated. Now I'm ready to fight someone. Well, Marie, <laughs> let's take it to the internet. Yeah. Take that anger. Pow pow. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I guess, okay. So I do want to, I guess, before we wrap up, because I feel like we've been going on for a second. Um, I do want to say, and like tie it a little bit back to the post that we were looking at. While I guess, at least in our experiences, restriction, whether it was mental or physical, did play a role in the binges that we experience. Obviously, that doesn't like dictate what everyone's binging experience is like. And I've definitely had binges for other reasons outside of those things. Um, same, same. Yeah. Uh, I guess. To, <laughs> To name a few, just so other people can relate, I don't want to, like, gloss over it. I guess, like, um, I've had binges related to routine. Kind of the same thing as, like, the one that I was mentioning earlier. I feel like um, if I had, like, a, a stressful day. Well, I mean, like, yeah, for you, like, it was always, like, in the evening, too. Like, I think when something happens at a certain time of day, it kind of becomes associated with that time of day as well. It's comforting. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
like to comfort and to distressing. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those. It's like a double whammy. It's like on one hand, oh yes, I am using food to numb out, but then at the same time, I feel numb, but also like incredibly upset at the same time. But like I can't really feel right, upset because right, right. I'm still numb. Like, um, like anger and apathy when they're like together. I feel like they pair really well together. I don't know. Maybe that's just a personal experience. Um, but, oh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, you know, been sort of, like, negative, like, emotions t- towards myself, like, as a kind of a way to, like, quote-unquote punish, if you will, or, like, as, like, a form of, like, quote-unquote kind of self-harm, um, emotional harm. I don't know. Uh, I've also, I don't know, I feel like, the, like, the emotion ones were, like, kind of big for me, as well as the routine. Um, yeah. Also, I guess, like, um, kind of what you were saying earlier, being understimulated. And, like, wanting to be distracted. Because I feel like if I, not that I have ADHD, but, like, if I'm understimulated then that means I'm thinking too much, you know, because I don't have anything in my environment to, like, take away from my thoughts. So then it's, like, binging in response to that. Yeah, I don't know. And then obviously, like, people can binge as a trauma, not as, like, a trauma response, but if they endured trauma, then, you know, binging can kind of come up as a behavior to do that. So just wanted to recognize that those were all you know, valid reasons, unreasons yeah. that I've experienced for binging that are not related specifically to hunger. Right. Even though a lot of the times it can be. And for me, a lot of my recovery process for binge eating was addressing <laughs> the restriction that I was not super keen initially on trying to address. And I think you know, I had like a lot of conversations with my nutritionist about this, but we really tried kind of like what we were talking about a bit earlier is try to like make binging a neutral thing in the sense that if it happens, okay, cool. We don't like want it to happen, but if it happens, it does. So what are we going to do about it kind of thing? Um, And my reactionary response would be like, well, it's going to ruin my mood. I'm going to feel awful for the rest of the day. Um, I am going to want to compensate somehow for it. And, you know, just like ultimately get myself stuck in this like negative emotion kind of cycle or whatnot. So... We really like worked hard on figuring out the reasons exactly for why that particular binge happened. Number one. Number two, slowing down the binging process. This is still hard for me, I guess, when it comes to like being compulsive with food, because I think sometimes I'm just like, I don't know my hunger and fullness sometimes. I'm just like, I think I'm hungry or like it would make sense to be hungry right now, but like I'm not really sure. I'm confused. I don't know if I'm really full or not. And then that like sends me into a weird, like anxious thing where it's like, I'm not sure the right thing to eat or if I should eat or if I shouldn't, I don't really understand. I don't know, whatever. Um, And then 
I think sometimes that makes me like a little compulsive because it's like I'll try a little bit of something. Oh, that's not really hitting the spot. Then I'll go somewhere else. I understand. Just open the fridge. Look at it. <laughs> look at it. Look at your food. Look at the food everyone else has. Got <laughs> it. Yeah, I go from my fridge to the pantry to the bread container to my small fridge that's my food I don't know yeah and like for me I think this is like just ties back into like the you know restrictive part of my brain that I try very you know hard to work on um but like as soon as I eat too (laughs) quote-unquote too many things this is arbitrary to me. I don't know who made this rule, but my <laughs> ED brain. Um, then it feels like I suddenly had too much. And then that makes like the compulsive part worse kind of thing. Right. And then I just want it to be over. So then, it, I don't know, it just like kind of has this whole process. And like at this point, like I don't label that as a binge. And luckily, like it doesn't happen that often. Um, it does tend to happen like when... Like, I I think I talked about a couple episodes ago, like, the transition out of grad school to a new job put me in a weird, funky place. You know what I mean? I think, like, that was a time of, like, kind of high stress, even though I necessarily wasn't feeling stressed and just, like, a lot of changes. And I think that, you know, ultimately impacted the routines that I had made around food and then thus, you know, affected how I was feeling about myself and all this other stuff. Yada, 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 whatever. My point being (laughs) that... At this point, like, having those things pop up in which I tend to be a little bit compulsive around food, even though it feels like I'm quote-unquote out of control, it's definitely not the same out of control as I've felt with binges in the past. And I feel like I'm able to guide myself through them with a lot more compassion. Um, Which is good. We love working on that. So I guess back to kind of tips is to slow down the process of a binge is something that my nutritionist <laughs> tries to get me to do and I find it really difficult, but to kind of be like, um, check in with yourself while a binge is happening. So you're not just completely like zoning out. And then, um, you know, if you can pause, take five minutes, the food is always still there to go back to if you can. And this is not to say like, this is where I think like the language gets difficult because it's not like you have permission to binge but it's more just like if you binge it's not great it's probably going to feel shitty but you can get through that moment and on to the next and it's not the end of the world yeah just like don't get yourself stuck in that because I feel like binging always happens in like a cycle regardless of whether it's like a restrict binge cycle it always happens in a cycle and you can't yeah. get out of the cycle if you keep the same, like, response to a binge. If you're always feeling, like, guilty and stuck and awful after a binge, like, you have to work on either trying to chip away at the binge itself, trying different strategies, trying to, you know, work with your emotions or whatever it is that triggered the binge first. If you can't do that, okay, the binge happens. Try to slow down the binge. If you still ended up binging anyways and weren't able to stop, you know, ultimately, like, that sucks. 
because it feels shitty, but like you still deserve compassion. You still deserve to go about your day normally the next day and not have to compensate for it. And I think ultimately the more that you respond to yourself in the compassionate way and reassure yourself that it's okay in the sense, not that the behavior is okay, but that you are okay. I think that's what helps kind of combat some of those emotions and turns the dial down on them. And eventually that turns the dial down on the behaviors. I'm gonna leave it at that. I've, that <laughs> I, was I good. That was really good. Wiser to <laughs> say. Thank you. Ooh, all right, y'all. If you enjoyed this episode, if you have something to say about binge eating disorder or your experience with binge eating, please share with us. We want to hear about yes, it. Please definitely. share with your friends so they can help you, but also share us with your friends. Oh, yeah. Um, we would love to be in your friends' ears. Anyways, <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram at Serial from the Box. Email us at serialfromthebox at gmail.com. You can follow me at Jana Bartolini on Instagram. And do not follow Marie. She does Actually, not. Actually, fun Ooh. fact, I did take my Instagram off of private because I felt safe enough to do so. Um, you can follow me. It just has pictures of all my friends because I like taking photos. <laughs> so there's not really much there for you. Um, but you can find it through. You can find my Instagram handle through our podcast account. Ooh, so, follow if you want, but you don't have to. Anywho, have a great day. Bye. Bye.